0: Who are you walking with? Well, today, again, we're beginning Romans chapter, and I want to be here last week. We studied Romans chapter 7, defining the old self and the new self through the lens of a message called cancer and crowns, that the fact of the matter is in the church as a whole, we've got a lot of cancer still in the church when we should be represented as a crown. God said he has crowned his sons and daughters with glory and honor. And where the church should be looking like glory and honor, it looks like cancer. And what I meant by that is that it looks like the thing that we should be getting rid of. We look like the old man, the dead self, the old nature, the sin nature. And the church as a whole has become a place where we're trying to use a badly defined version of a grace message to just let people live like they want and do what they want. But that is in fact not what the Lord wants of us. He doesn't want cancer to remain. He wants cancer to be revealed and then walk into a relationship where the cancer gets the heck out. Amen? Amen. I'm tired of going to church and people just saying, grace allows me to live like I want. No, it does not. Grace allowed you to get married to someone that you were never allowed to marry. What I mean by that is we talked about in Romans 7, it spoke that death breaks contracts and covenants. Paul specifically talked about the idea of marriage, that in order for a marriage covenant to be broken, that someone had to die in order to get remarried. So when we die to ourselves and believe in Jesus, we are reborn, and now because we are reborn, we have a legal right to unify or marry with the groom, the bridegroom, right? And because we are getting unified to marry the groom, we are now the bride of Christ. And in that marriage, we are to give him glory and honor in all things. Someone say all things, all things. And in turn, when we give him honor, he says, I'm gonna crown you with glory and honor because a good husband makes sure that his wife shares in his glory. And if we are the bride of Christ, He is the husband and we are the bride. So he says, if you get all about my glory, I'm actually going to share it and be all about yours. Because you're never about yours. You're always about me. And because of that, he says, I want you to choose whether you walk in the crown of glory I have put on you, not by your deserving, not because you're getting all the law right. I put it on you because I went and purchased the contract for you. I took death. I was condemned in death so that you wouldn't have to be. Now, you can choose with your free will, do you walk in a crown of glory and honor, or do you walk in a dead lifestyle of cancer running through your bones? That's what Proverbs says. A a, a wife uh, not being, a wife disgraceful to her husband is like cancer in his bones. That's what the church has become. We say we praise Jesus, but we don't look like him. We are to be the mirror image of God on the earth. And I don't know about you, but most of the time when I look at the church, that's a messed up mirror. If I can just get it out there. And the world don't want nothing to do with God because all he sees is Christians. The world sees Christians and thinks, why would I want to worship your God? Because if you claim you look like him, I don't like that God. We have got to get back into the accountability that we are to be bearers of his image. With that, we now have a power to walk away from the old nature. Because the law couldn't do that. You can follow the law all day long, but it don't give you the power to get out of your strongholds and your chains. That's why some people that are Christians still deal with the same stuff over and over and over because they think if I get it all right and I check off all the boxes, I'm going to get out of this pattern. Romans 7s taught us, no, 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 the law can't do that. The law is the x-ray machine to your cancer. It reveals the issue, but you still need a power to get rid of the issue that the law defined. Amen? So in order to deal with the issue, it's not let me get all law right. It's let me build a relationship with the one who has the power to take, to take care of the issue that has been revealed by law. Does that make sense? So now that we have the understanding that we have the power to walk away from our old nature, strongholds, chains, bondage, He continues in this idea that we now have a power. Paul, in Romans chapter 8. And in verse 1, he starts off by saying this. So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. That's a big statement. It's a big therefore statement. So now. We have been graced to be unified with Christ because the contract of marriage to old self was broken in death. I am reborn. I'm graced to be married and unified with God, not by my earning of doing law, but by the grace of what the bridegroom did. Therefore, so now, I cannot be condemned if he is my head. All things flow from the head down. You got issues with your kids? Look at mom and dad. Okay. All the parents. We're joined with him. So the only way we can be condemned if is if he is condemned. Because it flows from the head down. He says, if you are in me, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. He's putting a weight and an emphasis to what this union, what this marriage, what this belonging means. When you belong to Christ Jesus, you cannot be separated by anything and you cannot be defeated by anything because you cannot be condemned. But here's where the issue comes in. We know that we can't be condemned or separated or defeated, but how many of us have walked feeling condemned, separated, and defeated? How many of us have walked in what we consider defeat? Because we can preach a good message all day about, well, we're not condemning Christ and we're not defeated. But then there's the real people who aren't religious who say, well, that's all good, but I felt defeated and I've gone through defeat. So explain that and how that works with this scripture. Well, that's what we're getting into tonight. Because it's all about who you walking with. You see, the promise of no defeat and no separation, it does, in fact, depend on something. So I want to read Romans 8, verse 1 again, but I'm going to read it from the New King James perspective. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You see, newer translations leave that part out because they are afraid it got too legalistic. I actually read a commentary because I was like, okay, well, where's the separation? And this commentary said, well, this part was added by Christians who tried to make it better. And that's a newer translation of original manuscript. Not that New King James is original. They're talking about transcribing it from the original Greek and Hebrew. It says, there is no condemnation who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You cannot walk according to your old man and expect to be unified with Christ with no defeat. Because no defeat is a place of standing positionally in a life where you're being led by the Spirit of God into life-giving places. The fact of the matter is, if you're walking being led by the Spirit, He's not going to lead you into any place of defeat even if it felt like it. We're going to get into that in a minute. But if you're walking according to your flesh, even though you claim Christ as your head, you ain't walking with the one who is over you. If you walk by a dead thing, you're going to get led into dead places. But if you walk with the life giver, you'll never walk into a path or a destiny that does anything but bring you into victory. No defeat is a place of standing positionally in him. Your flesh and your dead man is very familiar with defeat. The emphasis here is placed on where does your relationship stand? Realize if it's in him, there's no condemnation. There's no defeat. There's no separation. And nothing can get in the way of that. And the beautiful idea that nothing can get in the way of that is that this is all not depending on God. It's not depending on the devil. It's not depending on how many demons walk around your house and go bump in the night. It doesn't depend on false news articles in the United States of America. It doesn't depend on who's the president. It doesn't depend on anything but one thing: who are you? Welcome with. Because I can tell you, we complain about leaders in the U.S., but let's get back to when this book was written. The leading the leaders of the government crucified Christ. That was an issue. Your taxes being raised and gas prices is something very trivial to deal with when we're talking about doing kingdom work. But no one wants to talk about that. We like to find one thing and blame it instead of realizing if Christ is our head, I can walk by my circumstances and walk by my conditions and walk by my flesh and get mad at this person and condemn that person and react to that person or... I can walk according to a better way. Right? I can walk according to being led by the Holy Spirit of God. Who is within me. I think we forget the weight of that. Who's within me. We have such an advantage that the people in the Old Testament did not have. They had to wait for presence. We don't. Even, we're going to get into this, I'm, I'm setting it all up. It's going to be longer tonight. I, I got gotcha you one time this weekend. I'm going to go three hours. <laughs> I'm going to get into this a little later, but think about this, the Holy Spirit. People love to argue, did we get the Holy Spirit as a second issue, as a second experience, or do we get him when, when we believe? And the theology of that usually rests on the disciples and it was a total of 120 or so were in the upper room and the Spirit came on them and it was after the resurrection. But we're actually going to find scripture tonight that says it waited to come because it had to wait until Jesus entered into his glory. It wasn't a separate experience to be modeled for eternity. It was poured out on the church and we don't have to wait For his presence, but we do have to seek his presence, realizing that he is in us. Not just walk around doing what we do, expecting victory, when everything about your life is walking in pathways of old man that loves defeat. Let me tell you what I mean by that your flesh is going to die. Some of y'all sooner than others. It's getting real. I'm not talking to the the, the greys and the whites. You know, I'm just talking to the the, the the you know the. We're all gonna die. I know that's y'all didn't know that, right? We're all gonna die. Your flesh is very familiar with that, and the reason our flesh is in rebellion to God. Because your flesh is always in self-protect mode. So when God says go somewhere and your flesh starts to get nervous about the destination, it goes into protect mode. And then there's a war started in our mind about are we going to rebel with the protector of our flesh or our flesh who thinks it's self-protecting Or walk according to a God who we say we know that he has our best interest at heart. Is this okay? Look at verse 2. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have and in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us. I can't control my sin. God declared an end. I just can't control myself. God declared an An end, I can't control my desires. God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but follow the spirit. The law can do many things. It can guide us, it can teach us, it can tell us about God, but the law can never give life. It can never give the power to get out of what it's teaching you is bad. Because Christ took condemnation of our likeness and flesh, we're now unified and we're received as the Peter. And you're never controlled by your sinful nature, but you can choose to agree with it or walk with Him. You see, when we're in him and he's in us, there's, no, there's not going to be much more room for your old man. That's why he's called dead. Because he can't exist in the new relationship. So you walk walking with a living thing or a dead thing. And because we're unified, look at verse 12. Is this okay? Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. None. None. If you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. No obligation. You can't blame it on sin or your needs. Because you don't know what you need. Why? Because you're still getting to know the new man who ain't dead. But what you think you need is the needs of a dead thing. You don't know me. You don't know what I need. Neither do you. (laughs) That's why we walk by faith and not by sight, because we don't know what we need. So, Lord, lead me into life-giving places, because I actually trust that you know my every need. Why does he know your every need? Because he knows the new man before you were even born. Birth messed new man up. Because new perfect man was born into sin. And the rest of your life you started understanding the language of a old, of a dead thing. And now he says get married, die to yourself, and lose communication with the dead thing, and start getting to know the new thing. That's why he says I will give you new desires. New power will kill old desires. And if desires are remainings, I'm going to tell you, you probably need to go on a walk. If you've still got old desires that you can't get letting go of, there's a part of you still walking with old man and you need to go on a walk with God. And you know what happens when you go on a walk with God? God and Moses went for a walk, God came back. Because when you go on a walk with God, something dies. And some of us need to get in a deeper walk with God, not because you're checking a law box off saying I'm getting in a relationship or getting in my Bible study. You need to get on a walk with God so that old man can't travel with you. Well, I can't break it off. Go for a walk. Something's going to die. Why should you fast? Not because the church tells you to do it for 21 days or once a week every month. But because maybe it's, you know what? I've had some issues this week and I need to go for a walk. Why should you get into a deeper level of prayer? I need to go for a walk. Why do I need to come in here and and worship and and be stupid and dance like David danced? Just keep your clothes on. (laughs) Why? Because some of us need to go on a walk, and the walk looks different by every for every person. If it didn't look different, it would be back into the rhetoric of law. Well, you just need—you don't know what I need. Only God does, and the only way I find that need is to go on a walk. Now you are to get among many wise counselors. There's, there's power in that. But don't think that their wise counsel is the walk. They're counseling you into the walk. Y'all okay? All right. Your only obligation should be to God, not you. Not what you want. Look at verse 14. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. If you're led by who you're walking with, God... You're children of God. Let, let me say that again, though. You are, you are a child of God. And when you are a child of someone, you've got some rights. So, verse 15, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. What does that mean? You ever notice that Jesus never talked about hell when he... Led people to the Father? Because he wasn't trying to make people scared to believe him. What does the church do? Believe in Jesus because you're going to burn. You have not received the Spirit to make you scared of burning. To make you a fearful slave. I better do this for God. Because I don't want this to happen. And I don't, no, no, no fear. You received God's spirit. To, <laughs> when he adopted you. As his own children. Now we call him. Abba father. Amen. Now. You did not have that access. Before you were adopted as his child. We could call him a different kind of father, but we didn't have the right to call him Abba. for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's kids. We become adopted as sons and daughters and then walk with him. He adopted you before you were able to walk. And that's why the body of Christ, there's some people still feeding on milk, because they're stalling like babies, and there's some that are seeking to chew on some filet mignon. Sirloins, ribeyes, Right? Y'all get? We're adopted as sons and daughters. He adopted you, and then you walk with him. You don't walk a certain way in order to get adopted. You don't get the law right so you're worthy to become a son or daughter. You believe in him and he adopts you regardless of what you look like. He says, I'll take you as you are. And that's what the church does, right? The church says, we'll take you as you are. Incomplete. Because I see you, not your flesh, Let me adopt you so you can start walking out of the thing that's dead. Let me adopt you so that you can go on a walk, and when you start to go on a walk, you'll no longer look like the thing when I adopted you. Now, because he has adopted us as sons and daughters, it says we call him Abba Father. Abba simply means this, Daddy. You don't walk in fear or this hateful, disconnected, father-like figure anymore. You know, the father's going to judge me. No, no, no. Daddy. An intimate, joyful relationship with God. And in verse 16, it says his spirit and your spirit affirms it. Is Is this making sense? In Deuteronomy 17, 6, it says this. Never put a person to death on the testimony of one witness. There must always be two or three witnesses. You see, back then, by law, something had to be established by two or three. Your death and your rebirth into adoption were established by the witness of you that died and the Holy Spirit that replaced the dead you. Two agreed in that moment. Jesus fulfilled the law. The law said, two's got to confirm. Okay? Let my spirit meet yours. Done. Jesus fulfilled And because an adoption was established, law stated that when you're adopted, you inherit the Father's name and his estate. What name? Well, this might make some of you mad or offended. But the ne- Christ was not an a earthly last name of Jesus. It meant anointed one. When you're adopted as a son of Christ, the anointed one, the anointed they have to see the anointed the new thing, and out of the old one. Yeah. Revival is not a cool event, it is a positional state of mind. I am being revived. Into the one that has his name and his estate. Speaking of estate, this is where preachers get it wrong in the kingdom. Because when we preach kingdom, we preach a word called inheritance, but we don't explain what inheritance means. Because when we hear inheritance, we think, oh, riches of heaven and all this stuff and all the good stuff. And yeah, I want, I, want, I want my inheritance. I used to sing a song. Get your inheritance. Y'all like that? I used to sing that all the time. Inheritance is a great word. God, I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> but look at verse 17. Since we are his children... We are his heirs. But then it defines the real estate. In fact, together with Christ, we're heirs of glory. But if we're to share glory, we got to share suffering. You want to know why many claim the name of Jesus, but they don't know him because when they start to go on the wall, I don't want that real estate. Y'all laughing. We're heirs to the inheritance of King Jesus. We share in glory. We share in suffering. We share in present suffering as a condition for future glory. Glory, high renown, honor, beauty, power, light, the weight of importance. Why are we an heir to all that? You're part of the body of Christ, His church. You need that high renown, honor, beauty, power, light, weight of importance. You need that glory on you to represent Him as a son or daughter on the earth. And if you're not walking in that, trust me, you're still walking according to dead man. I can't believe He said that. I love you too much not to. Inheritance had nothing to do with doing or earning. It's got to do with your being. You are a son or daughter. Being flows from what he did, not what you did. And you can walk in it, but that is according to those who are walking with him. And we get nervous about the suffering part, but look at what verse 18 says. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Amen. Amen. You can't be ignorant to the idea of suffering, but don't define suffering as defeat. Why? Because it's more defeated. Right? Some of is this making sense? I love the word of God. Look at verse 19. All creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we all know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Creation is waiting for the revealing of sons and daughters. Why? Creation was subjected to the curse because of man. So it will be subjected to redemption because of man. And how will the children be revealed? an inheritance of present glory and suffering for future glory and the earth is waiting on both. And because we won't get the future glory until we are out of our flesh, the earth can't be restored all the way until it only has everyone in Christ And new bodies on the earth that are not dead. So that's why he says, I've got to create a new earth and put you in a new body. You see, he wanted to redeem some things and some things he had to simply recreate. So let me put the redeem you in a new body so that the earth recognizes complete glory. All right, let me explain it like this. Isaiah prophesied about it. Did y'all know that Isaiah talked about how the earth would look like when it was put back together? If you didn't, you're about to see it. Isaiah 11:6 6 through 9. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. You ain't got to look out for wolves and sheep's clothing anymore. The leper will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. A little child will lead them all. There will be a day where your kid don't have to look at a lion in a zoo. Right? The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. That's going to be weird. (laughs) The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. It's a whole new jump rope. (laughs) Yes, see this is why... Some people do snakes in their services because they're trying to enter in a future glory and ain't yet ready for us. Understand the lack thereof. It's not faith, it's stupidity. Okay. <laughs> it's just Bible. I'm just reading it. Yes, a little child will put his hand into a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. When the earth is filled with nothing but children, creation will know God, and when you know God, you can't hurt or murder because all is led by the Spirit, including in the snakes and leopards who attack. And it says we suffer for that future glory that's coming. You will walk in the glory you have now, And when you're led by me, you will suffer in some things, and you won't see that glory until you get there. I think some of us forget that we're going somewhere. Now, we are to keep our focus here while we're here. But you are going somewhere. And that gives you the hope to endure your present suffering if that suffering is a fruit of you being led, walking with God, and not yourself. Is this making sense? Verse 23, I'm almost done. Maybe. We believers also grow. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, some versions say first fruits. You think the Holy Spirit's great now? Wait till we're fully restored with new bodies. You want to know how spirit-filled people limit the Holy Spirit? We're still seeking a manifestation from 30 years ago because we don't believe He can do something new. But spirit-filled people ain't religious at all. (laughs) For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm not sorry. We too wait with eager hope For the day when God will give us our full rights as adopted children, including the new bodies he promised us. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste for future glory. Some versions say the first fruits of the Spirit. We will only get a taste of all glory to come. Just as animals will be free from evil and sin and hurt, so will we, completely. First fruits. We have rights now, and we will have full rights later in new bodies. We can't even put to paper the new rights, Because he hadn't fully seen them. I'll suffer for that. You see, he doesn't ignore the issue of your flesh. He just knows that he has to recreate it. And we press toward that and suffer for that because you will see it. Do you realize that you will see it? When you get your mind in line with that truth, suffering becomes easy. Now watch this. Verse 26. Can I keep going? Okay. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit helps us in what? Weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. I teach in foundations, there is a type of tongues to be interpreted and there is a tongue that is a prayer language. You want to know where the scripture is? And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying Because the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. A spiritual gift is not given to spiritually mature people only. Let me say it in a different way a spiritual gift is not a mark of your maturity, it is a revealing of your weakness. And yet, some people believe you have to have the evidence of certain gifts to define your feeling of Holy Spirit. But look at what it says. He helps us when we're weak. For example, you're weak because you don't know what to pray. Because you're always battling. There's dead self. There's new self. There's this idea. There's that idea. Something came against me. How should I pray? Is it God? Is it my old man? I don't want to get it wrong. So he says, you know what? You're weak. And you won't be perfect till I give you new everything. So, because you're weak, let me give you a gift that shows you how much you need me, not yourself. And those (laughs) gifts help in weak places until you gain full rights. That's where cessationists get it wrong. They're needed until the fullness of His glory is revealed. When is it revealed? When we get new bodies. So unless something happened and I didn't see it in the news, the spiritual gifts have not ceased, but they're not to be exonerated. Until you get full rights, gifts have to be available. Those who don't think you need gifts are not aware of how weak you really are. And those who don't understand how weak they are have not walked as far as they need to because they're walking in a circle of where they're pleased with in their destination, not realize there's always a new place walking forward with God. See, some of y'all are clapping like that because I just said something that... If you don't realize that you need something more than you, there's an issue. People don't like the idea of spiritual gifts because we've made it about the gifts. In your vocabulary, you shouldn't be, well, I'm a Christian because I have this. No, no. I have this in moments because I recognize I am weak and I need Him. And the three in one, the Father says, let me give you these gifts. Mercy. Because I see times where your dead self ain't merciful. I've had moments where I don't want to be merciful to church people. So if you ever get a pause in my response. I'm just kidding. I'm not. <laughs> the Holy Spirit gives gifts. You don't know what to pray. Here's a tongue. We don't, we've been to every doctor in the universe and they don't know how to heal them. Okay, well here's a gift of healing. Right? I don't know what's going on in that person. Well here's a gift of knowledge. I don't know how to speak. I know what they're dealing with, but I don't know how to speak to them. Here's some wisdom that you don't don't have because you're dumb. I always make bad decisions. Discernment. I don't know who to come into agreement with. Are y'all getting this? It's where you're weak. He is strong by saying, you ain't full glory yet. And you don't have full rights to walk in all this stuff. So let me give you a gift until you get full rights. And he says, when you're in a place when you are submitting to me, you're going to see some good stuff. And look what he says in verse 28. We're getting to the end. Yeah, I'm at my last page. Look at that. Man, this has been good. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them, not according to the purpose that you have labeled on yourself because you've had a great relationship with the dead man. You ever think that maybe sometimes you're not walking to a destiny because it's a destiny defined by old man and not the giver of life? Who are you walking with? For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. He wants you to become like his son. Not praise his son and then go live looking unlike him. So that his son would be the firstborn among brothers and sisters. In other words, Jesus is the first fruits of everyone else he adopted. And what happened to the adopted sons and daughters of God? We got the benefit of first fruit sacrifice. God says, when you give me your first, I'll bless the rest. That's what a tithe is. Give me the tenth. What did he do with the firstborn of many? Let me kill him so that I don't have to kill the rest. And in the same token, let my spirit resurrect him so that I can resurrect the rest. But are you walking in a resurrected life or in your dead self? Who are you walking with? And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. When we're chosen and called, we're given rights to share in his glory. But it's for those who love God and who are walking with him. Don't think you can share in something when you are not walking with the one who gives what you should be sharing in. Verse 31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God's for us. Who can be against us? You see, God with you makes you unconquerable. So don't be shaken at disagreement from people who aren't walking with them. You ever notice how Christians get so shaken by decisions from dead people? Or let me go one step further, how shaken we get when Christians make decisions from their old dead self? And then we say things like, the church is failing. Well, if we're not condemned and can't be separated, is it that we're failing? Or is it that our minds are not coming to agreement with the fact that we are walking in victory, that we may not be able to see. Think, think about what June is—Pride Month—and if 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 you ain't seen it, it's, it's all over social. It's all over the news. It's everywhere. And church people, I mean, we 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 love to condemn everything and talk about how wrong it is, can I just break it down for you? Everyone, including people who don't believe in God, are well aware of what the law says. Do you think that you surprise a homosexual when you say you don't agree with them? You think you're giving them revelation? they don't need you to reiterate the law. They need to see a resurrected you so that they can figure out why they're not resurrecting. I believe the answer to getting people out of all these strongholds, homosexuality, sexual impurities, addictions, drunkenness, Uh, I mean, you name it. Depression, hurt, I mean, all this stuff. We've got to start looking like who we're walking with. And if we're not looking like him, we ain't walking with him. That's the answer to their issues. That's the answer to what's going on in the world. Jesus dealt with them all. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Pride of life. Gay pride. We focus on the outward issue of the root that's causing their issue. Pride. But you want to deal with the dead fruit. Is this making sense? It's not love them to let them stay where they're at. It's show them the new walk. We're not excusing it. We're not saying it's okay. I get asked questions all the time about all this stuff. I'm very bold and I believe this and I don't believe this. It's not a matter of backing down from truth. But you dictating truth is not doing anything without power behind it that comes from a walk with the power giver. The priests were all saying truth, and Jesus rebuked them. What does the church do? Recite scripture all day long. And we hold the scripture almost as an idol in itself. Well, if you don't know this, you don't know God. Well, according to God, the people who did know it didn't know him. So who are you walking with? Last verse. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? He gave us the ultimate gift of Jesus. And you're worried about if he'll take care of your peace? You're worried about he's going to take care of financial needs? You're worried about taking care of the desires that you have? He says, I've given him to you. What makes you think that I'm a limited transaction kind of God? I gave you the biggest thing. I'll give you everything else. But everything else is not defined by your old man. It's defined by your new man. Well, I pray for this and God ain't given it. Are you praying that on behalf of new man who walks with God or old man who God don't know? I'll say to them, I'll never Why are you praying desires on behalf of a dead thing? Do you think he's going to give something to a dead thing? No. He wants to give you everything that you need to walk according to the purpose of those who seek him. I'll give it all to you because I already gave you all. I gave you my son. So that you could be made right, so that you could call me daddy, so that you could be adopted, so that you get my glory, so that you get my real estate. But don't be asking for stuff in the old man if it don't line up with the new identity as a son or daughter. Because I'm not giving you that. And you can't call God a liar when you're praying on behalf of a dead mindset. He gave us Jesus. He'll take care of every other need. So don't walk according to what do I need. Walk according to Lord, what do you want in this? And out of that, he'll take care of every need. Who are you walking with? Everything we do. The way we communicate, the way we love. The way we manage hurt and pain. Everything. Who are you walking with? The way we deal with the issues of this country. Who are you walking with? The way we deal with divide. Who are you walking with? Who are you walking with? Church. If we're going to be like him. If we're going to look like him. We got to walk with him. So I just want to encourage you. If we leave this place tonight. Take some self inventory. And if you need to, go on a walk. Amen.